Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. There are many types of Baptists, but being a Baptist once meant that you were a fundamentalist. Over the years, many Baptists have strayed from the fundamentals and thus attack those who remain true to the faith. This podcast will address the issues surrounding what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Somebody said, Brother House, fundamentalists are changing, aren't they? No, fundamentalists don't change. Folks quit being fundamentalists. God says when the troubles come, He said fight. You can't fight. He said withstand. You can't withstand. He said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What? Don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the Word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning, missions, and everything taught in the King James Bible. I thank God tonight for this wonderful Bible. You know, I I thank God it's a perfect book, and I, I love the Bible. Doesn't need any addition, no correction, nothing taken from it. Thank God tonight for the Holy Bible. I like it just like it is. We are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. Why does every generation feel that we got to change it just a little bit because our daddy did it fast this and our granddaddy did it like that and let's change it just a little bit. You change it and things that are different are not the same. The same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist. Hello and welcome. My name is David Baker. Welcome to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. God bless you. Hey, we're glad that you're here. Hey, if you saw the titles, so are you curious? Are you like, oh no, man, oh God. Um, this phrase has been mocked for a long time in independent fundamental Baptist circles, and they put down the quote, man of God, and they put it G-A-W-D, the way that uh, people pronounce it, and uh, it's mocked about that. So um, I'm going to tell you a story, and then I'm going to tell you about a sermon. I'm not, I don't preach sermons on here usually, um, but uh, I want to tell you about something that came about uh, in the world they even call October Pastor Appreciation Month. Should you appreciate your pastor? Uh, is he just a man? Is he a man like everybody else? Um, should you um, lift him up or anything like that at all? Um, now, I will tell you the danger of this. Uh, the danger of lifting up uh, a man of God is potential for pride, potential for us expecting that. I'll tell you this. As a pastor, we should not expect anything. Um, we should not have to have anything. I don't look for anything. I am not good at taking praise. Um, this morning, I'm, I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon. This morning at church, someone gave a testimony um, about pastor appreciation, what I've done for him. And and. I think they need to do it. I think people need to do it, um, but I'm awkward at it. I don't like it. I would rather not um, have that. I'm not good at taking uh, the compliments. I don't want it. I don't need it. I'm not looking for it. I don't have to have it. But biblically, I think it's good to be able to do. And so... Um, you know, is that uh, something that um, we should look up and look up to people on? I want to give you a, a biblical lesson. I want to tell you a story that happened first. But um, God says for the work's sake, okay? Um, and um, for the work's sake, when you have, um, when you look up to people for the work's sake, for the um, 
because of their position. Paul said, I magnify my office. Okay. Um, and so the office of pastor ought to be magnified. Who I am, I'm a sinner, dirty, rotten, uh, garbage. I'm a worm. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. But to esteem them highly for the work's sake, um, Paul said, I magnify my office. Um, so we should have and do and do that. So First uh, Thessalonians 5, 12, um, it says, or the verse above it, we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Yes, we are to esteem the people that God placed over us in spiritual authority who are over you in the Lord and admonish you. They preach you. Those are pastors and teachers and evangelists. We too, we are supposed to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, not for them, not for pride. And um, I've heard this before, you know, listen, we get kicked so much in the other end. We don't have to worry as much about a big hit. Okay. It's amazing. The attacks these days that come, the hateful things that are put out. And so let me take you back, boys and girls, 30, almost 30 years ago. We had just started a church. We're meeting in a daycare building that was very run down. Um, we were living in a duplex, and we had two children and um, growing rapidly. And so uh, some people in the church wanted to give us a housing allowance um, so we could buy a house. Other people said, nope, 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 we need a building. We need a building. We're renting this, and, uh, and we have to share it with these people, and it's bad. Nope, we need a building. And so um, I, forget, I preached on, on Wednesday night, Bible study on prayer. And I talked about praying for the pastor. And we had a guest there, guest speaker, guest there that night, a friend who was a pastor. And he said, man, that was really good what you said. I said, yeah, it's hard to talk though. Have them do something for me. He goes, yeah, that's hard. I said, there's a sermon that I need to preach but I don't want to preach it because it'd be about me. And I told him what it was. He said, yeah, you're right. You can't preach that. He said, well, why don't you have, uh, once you go out of town sometime and have your assistant pastor preach that? I said, man, that's even worse. It's like having a hired gun to come in and preach something that you don't want to preach. He goes, well, why don't you have an older preacher come in and preach it? It's the same thing. Later on that evening, that statement I said convicted me. There's something that needs to be preached in our church, but I can't preach it. Huh. Wait, I'm the pastor. Hey, if there's something that needs to be preached in our church, shouldn't I be able to preach it? I'm the pastor. I argued with God for at least a week, maybe two about that. And I just said, no, no, I'm not preaching that. No, I'm not preaching that. It, it will sound selfish. It won't come across well. They'll be upset. They'll be mad. They'll leave. They'll kick me out. They'll run me out. I am scared to death. Finally, there have been three or four times in 30 years of ministry I felt like that, that God wanted me to preach something I did not want to preach. And I, I'm sorry, I fought and argued with God. <laughs> Every time I've given in, <laughs> and God's always turned it around and done some amazing things with it. So this Sunday night, I preached on the attitude toward the man of God. I mean, give you those four points, and then I'll tell you what God did out of it, okay? And um, I'll tell you the four points, then I'll tell you what God did. Then I want to give you just a little bit about it to uh, help accentuate with that. By the way, if you're um, not a pastor and you hear this, you need to apply this to your life. Pastor, if you are hearing this, <laughs> have the guts to preach it, okay? Uh, it's biblical. See what happens in your church. Thanks, Pastor. Uh, I preach at my church, and they all left. <laughs> it split. That's what I was afraid of, too. So here are the four points, Okay. And it was called the attitude toward the man of God. And when you hear this, you're going to go, are you kidding? You preach that? Yes, I preach it. Number one, take care of the needs of the man of God first. 
first. Elijah, we'll go through that story in a minute. That was point one. Take care of the needs of the man of God first. Number two, uh, give gifts to the man of God. <laughs> give gifts to the man of God. What? You know, Samuel. Uh, number three, don't mock the man of God. Um, uh, Elisha, go up that bald head. Don't mock the man of God. And then number four, don't criticize the man of God. Um, by the way, I heard, I've never heard these, and I don't care to hear them, but I've heard I've made it on um, like bad sermon clips or something like that. So if they want to use one here, they can definitely clip this out and do that. The fourth one is don't criticize the man of God against an elder. Receive not an accusation without two or three witnesses. And so we'll talk about that in a minute, but I preached that sermon. I was scared to death. I don't want to preach it. I ran from it. I fought with God for a week or two. But that statement, there's something that needs to be preached in our church, but I can't preach it. But wait, you're the pastor. Okay, God put you there to set the things that are, that are supposed to be in order. Ah, and so I preached it. was scared to death about it. And after it was, by the way, we had rented this daycare building. There was a big playroom that was a big room and they had a playroom in it and that was our auditorium. And they had another building beside it that had eight classrooms in it. Um, and we used that uh, for the, um, for the uh, Sunday school classes. I'm sorry, four, anyway, I think four classrooms. Anyway, we used that for Sunday school and, um, and we paid them like a hundred dollars a month for electricity. I mean, it was almost nothing, um, that God let us have that building for, but there'd been some complications with, um, with the, uh, their gerbil getting out and stuff, not being clean and stuff, not being set up right. And all that had been a conflict and we didn't like the conflict and it was rough. And, and we had to come in and clean the place, um, every week as they trashed it. They had a, somebody who had a, um, uh, um, um, <laughs> a bowel issue. And by Wednesday, the bath, the toilet was full and the door was just closed. And, the, and so it was my job every week to come in and plunge it and fix it. Um, and we had it, we had use of it every evening and then Saturday and Sunday. Um, so I preached a sermon, the attitude toward the man of God. Okay. Preach that sermon. Um, and then we had to set up and take down. So there was a dungeon basement. We had to carry all the chairs down. We had to push, push piano out of the way, set things up the way they wanted. It was a lot of work to take up, uh, to set up and take down. Anyway, after it was over, I realized, well, where did everybody go? <laughs> and there were just a few of us around cleaning things up. And I realized later the men had had a meeting that night. And they came over and they said, we just had a men's meeting. And we just voted to give you and your wife a housing allowance so you could buy a house. I didn't preach that. I didn't hint that. I didn't talk about that. I just preached on the attitude toward the man of God. All biblical, all Bible verses. They voted to give us a housing allowance so we could buy a house. And there were a couple of people that objected that didn't think we should have that. We ought to do the church first. And um, next week we came in and to that room and it was trashed even more, but there was stuff that was gone and we're afraid stuff was stolen. And so I um, called the director to let him know, Hey man, I just want to let you know, there's a bunch of things that are not here when we got here to clean up. He goes, Oh, I didn't tell you. I said, what? He goes, Oh man, I'm sorry. I thought I told you. Um, we don't need those buildings anymore. Um, you guys can use them all the time, seven days a week. Uh, you don't have to set up and take down. Uh, we got another building where we can use for our after school and our daycare. So we don't need those anymore. So you can use them and you can have them all day, all night, every day. Oh, and how much do we have to pay for it? Oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. What? 
<laughs> what happened? The people did what the sermon said. They did what they could to take care of the man of God, to take care of um, their family. By the way, it's a biblical phrase, okay? I don't, I don't like to, I don't call myself the man of God. Uh, I don't call myself that, but the Bible does talk about that. Um, they voted that night to give us a housing allowance. The next week, they moved out. We didn't have to set up or take down. We could clean it. We could fix it. We could paint it. We could do whatever we wanted to. We could leave things set up. That was gigantic. When did that happen? Right after the people did what the Bible said that they were supposed to do. Okay. There is an attitude toward the man of God. Um, I joke with our church like, okay, pastor appreciation month for these four weeks, you got to appreciate me after that. You don't have to appreciate me anymore. And we joke about that. Uh, I'm not a big guy on wanting, needing, uh, appreciation, but I know it's good for people to do and the biblical truths and things are here. So let me go back through those. Um, I think this ought to be preached in churches, okay? I think uh, church members need to understand this and see this and know this. The attitude toward the man of God. This is Elisha. So Elisha was being fed by the ravens and the brook, okay? But ravens stopped coming. The brook dried up. God said, I need you to go here. This is in 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm not going to read all the verses. Um, but this widow lady was getting ready to make her last cake of food for her and her son, and then die. Okay. And so she said, and she's, um, verse 12, and she said, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. <laughs> okay. That's where they were at. Here's what Elisha said. Verse 13, Elisha said, her, fear not and go and do as thou hast said, but make me there thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. Are you kidding? Did you hear me? I've got a handful of meal. A handful of meal, that's it. We're going to make this little cake, a handful of meal. That's it. And we're going to divide it and eat it, and then we're going to die. And he said, yeah, go ahead and do that, but make me a cake first. What, that is so wrong. How in the world could he ask her to do that? By the way, was it for him? No, it was for her. Was God going to take care of Elijah? Are you kidding me? He's Elijah. He's the prophet of God. God was having him fed by ravens and, uh, and drinking by brook. God was going to take care of, of him. He did not need her. Listen, she needed him. She did that. And guess what happened? The cruise of, ale didn't, the cruise of oil didn't fail. Neither did the barrel, uh, the meal and the barrel waste. God made it continually to produce meal and oil. And they didn't die. And they lived. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Take care of the needs of the man of God first. I preached that, <laughs> and that's what God did. Amazing. Uh, that's biblical. That's right. Paul preached that in Philippians chapter 4. We won't go through all that. Um, and you're our work. And if we gave you spiritual things or anything to reap, anything wrong to reap your carnal things, First Corinthians 9, 11. Um, it's biblical. It's right. It's Old Testament. It's New Testament. Number one, take care of the needs of the man of God. Number two, give gifts to the man of God. Okay. This is an amazing story. Give gifts to the man of God. First Samuel 9, 6 through 8. Give gifts. So here is Saul looking for the uh, donkeys that he lost. They said, is there a man of God in this city? Yes, Samuel. And so they went to him. And But he said, but behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? How can we go see the man of God? We don't have any gifts to give to the man of God. 
And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver that I give, that I will, um, uh, that will I give to the men of God to tell us our way. Wow. As a pastor, I don't charge anybody for anything, but you know what people ought to do? The attitude here, give gifts to the man of God. Give gifts to the man of God. Um, hey, is your pastor like Wendy's Frosties? Hey, give him a gift card to Wendy Frosty. Bring him a Wednesday Frosty. Um, Dr. Isles liked um, um, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and people did that. Give gifts to the man of God. Um, oh, I don't think we ought to do that. Okay, then classify yourself. First Samuel ten twenty seven. But the children of Belial said, how shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no gifts, but he held his peace. The children of the devil, Belial, yeah, they didn't want to give him any gifts, but Saul did. Hey, and he became king. He became king. Um, give gifts to the man of God. Uh, does he need your gift? No. Is God going to take care of him? Yes. But guess what? You need to. Find something little that he likes and do for him. When I uh, used to be a security guard for Brother Howells, uh, I heard a sermon. He said, I'm a bread guy. I love bread. Well, my wife made the sourdough bread. So every week I'd have a loaf of sourdough bread to give him. Did he need that bread? No, but he liked it. And what a special thing. Give gifts to the man of God. We don't need anything. I don't want anything. I'm not looking for anything. I'm not asking for anything. But people need to do that. Your pastor, find something that he likes. Um, Somebody, uh, Brother House, when he'd go out of town, they'd always give him some change. Uh, so he'd have change for a vending machine if he needed it. Uh, somebody uh, would give him a $2, um, $2 bill as a collector, just something neat. He didn't need the $2. He didn't need the change. He didn't need a Reese peanut butter cup. But the attitude toward the man of God, it's a big deal. Give gifts to them. Number one, take care of their needs first. Number two, give gifts to them. Number three, don't mock the man of God. Whew. How serious is this is? Remember, go up that bald head, go up that bald head. What did God say? And he turned back and looked at them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the woods and tear 40 and two children of them. Okay. Hey, don't mock your man of God. By the way, I tease and joke and laugh and somebody, we tease back and, and do that. Um, but it does show the seriousness of the attitude toward the man of God. To seriously mock the man of God? I'm not saying God's going to send bears out to kill you, but that's the attitude. The attitude toward the man of God should be respect and not to mock him. And the last one, don't criticize the man of God. First Timothy five seventeen. let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. For the scriptures say, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Then that sin, what? Then that sin in receiving an accusation without two or three witnesses, rebuke before all that others may fear. That's the context of that scripture. People don't like that. They want to rebuke before all. If anybody sins, okay, how long would it take at church this morning to rebuke everybody that had sinned this week? It's not what that's talking about. Context is, if you receive an accusation about an elder without two or three witnesses, rebuke them before all that others may fear. That's the context. Um, don't criticize the man of God. Okay. By the way, you want to destroy your children, criticize the preacher. Let the kids hear that. And then when they need the preacher, they're not going to go to him. Why? Because you already ripped him. You tore him down. You criticized the sermons. If you got a problem with the pastor, go talk to him. If I preach something you don't understand or you disagree, come talk to me. I'm totally fine. 100%. It wouldn't bother me a bit. I would thank you. Okay. But when you tear down, criticize a man of God to somebody else, receive an accusation without two or three witnesses, you're going to hurt you. 
they're going to hurt you. Okay? So that's the sermon. Hey, preacher. <laughs> you going to go preach it? Oh, I can't preach that. It needs to be preached in our church, but I can't preach it. No, you can. You can. Um, and uh, I'll come preach it for you. Uh, the problem is it'll look like a hired gun. Um, I have preached that in other churches, and I always go out of my way to say the pastor didn't ask me to preach this. He didn't want me to preach this. He's probably embarrassed right now that I'm preaching this, but people, they need to hear that. So, hey, you can share the podcast with them. The attitude toward the man of God, not just pastor appreciation, to esteem them very highly. Why? For the work's sake, for the work of God. Paul said, I magnify my office. Okay, and we should also, and uh, help the people with that. Okay, all right, you got it. The attitude toward the man of God. I had to say that for you guys who want to criticize this. Like, oh, is he one of those guys? No, I just believe the Bible. What are you? Did I preach anything? Did I say anything? <laughs> preach again. I'm not preaching, but this little Bible study is it? I say anything that wasn't from the Bible. Those stories are there, and it's big, and it's important, and you do it, God will bless you and help you. Uh, the preacher, I don't need any of that. I don't want any of that, but I know for the people, they need that. That helps keep a good heart and attitude toward them so they can hear and receive the preaching that will help and uh, them and change their life. All right. Hey, God bless you. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at the Fundamental Baptist Podcast at gmail.com.